Hi, thanks for joining us today. This is Bonnie Wallace, author of Top Hollywood Acting Teachers, Young Hollywood Actors, and The Hollywood Parents Guide. And today my guest on the Hometown to Hollywood podcast is Stephen Vincent. Stephen is Vice President of Music and Soundtracks at Disney Branded Television. He's the man behind the music you love from not only Disney Plus and the Disney Channel, but also Disney XD, ABC Family, and more since 2007. Stephen Vincent advises and collaborates with TV series and TV movie producers on script development and creating original music, as well as licensed songs. He works with recording artists, songwriters, and composers in conjunction with Disney Publishing, Disney Music Group, and Radio Disney, as well as external labels, publishers, and management. On the talent side, he has supervised the TV music careers of Miley Cyrus, Selena Gomez, Demi Lovato, The Jonas Brothers, Zendaya, Dove Cameron, Sophia Carson, Bridget Mendler, Bella Thorne, Ross Lynch, Laura Morano, Zac Efron, and Vanessa Hudgens, among others. Vincent has a degree in music composition from UCLA and studied film scoring with Walter Scharf, David Raskin, and Fred Carlin while winning scholarships from BMI and ASCAP. He's also worked as a film composer, arranger, producer, conductor, and musician. Stephen, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Happy to be here, especially that, after that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> might be one of the longest intros I've ever, <laughs> oh. ever read, but look at you. You've done so much. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. It is kind of amazing when you go back and, and take a look at it, right? You know, because a lot of it overlaps over as projects overlap and, and time overlaps and time spent with different talent, you know, lasts sometimes, you know, a year, sometimes five, six, seven years. So it just it really kind of all flows together, you know, over as time goes by. Well, and you're you're always working on multiple projects at once, so it's not right. like you're just doing one at a time, which is what most people in the industry are generally doing one project at a time. But you've got all kinds of plates spinning in the air. Yep, yep, we're we're very busy, which is so, a good thing, <laughs> especially these days in the industry. It's extra extra wonderful to be busy. When did yep. you know that you wanted to make a career in music? High school. Yeah. Um, it's just you know I, I started playing piano when I was five. I started playing brass instruments in middle school. I started writing music in high school and I just, it's just kind of was, you know, my favorite thing in life. And um, I wanted to, you know, become a film composer and, and score movies and um, TV. And um, just, that was kind of the, the first goal, you know, but I, I knew that I, I wanted to be part of the film and music space. Was there a particular person who inspired you? Probably to start with, my high school teacher, John Magruder, he was uh, a session saxophone player as well as a high school teacher and um, a, an amazing arranger. He, we, all the arrangements we played in high school were his. He had a, a session uh, rehearsal band that would meet at his house on Wednesday nights, and he invited us, the, you know, his high school students, to come out and hang at his house and listen to these session players just rehearse jazz charts and that were all his his arrangements and it was just like you know ear opening right um yeah. uh, to hear the level of musicianship and to be invited into you know be a fly on the wall and to talk to these guys on the breaks and you know about their careers and you know what they're doing and so that that was a, a huge influence early on 
That is, it's so exciting. It sometimes, it's like a single teacher, a single person who's, who's a mentor of some kind that can make all the difference in thinking, you know, I could do this. This is yeah. something, this is something that people do. Um, so you've been, you've got an amazing extensive training background. Um, is there anything that stands out especially to you in terms of something that was really critical to your success? Um, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I, I did study with a, a lot of different people, but my favorite lesson that always has stuck with me was from Walter Scharf. Um, I took a, uh, it was a UCLA extension class and uh, master class in film scoring with him. And um, he was, you know, in his eighties when I studied with him, he was one of the composers that started when they first started actually putting music on film, on picture. He was one of the guys that was there learning how to even figure it out and, and make it work. And then went on to have this amazing career in both scoring both film and television. But he, we, he gave us our first assignment, right. To write this little woodwind quintet uh, scoring a scene. I think God, I think it was from the love boat. And <laughs> so we all went home. Right. And for two weeks we wrote our little cue and you know, we were going to have players come in and um, you know, at the week after and, or so we thought, because when we got there, you know, we all were just waiting with our, our sheet music, right, that we'd written out. And I handed mine to him. And when it was my turn and, um, you know, he was looking it over and kind of, you know, going, oh, that's that's good. You know, no, that's nice. As he went through the, the music and he got to the end of it and he looked at me and said, good job. And he threw it in the trash can. Ooh. <laughs> Ouch. I was like, what? And, and he oh said. He obviously saw the look on my face and he said, was it written in stone? That the best thing you're ever going to write? Go write something else. And it was a brilliant lesson in the business of film scoring and how you better leave your ego at home. You're there to serve not just your vision, but the vision of the director, the producers, the writer, the studio everybody who's already been working on this movie for two, three, five years before you get a chance to then add your music at the end of the process. And they're not going to be necessarily precious about it. They're not going to, you know, necessarily even like what you thought was the best thing you, you know, you could come up with the first time around. They might hear it and go, you know, I think we really want to try something more like this. And you have to be willing to throw it in the trash can, say, okay, and go back and start restart your imagination all over again and try and come up with a whole different thing than you thought was in your heart. And, you know, sensibility was exactly the right thing to do. So it was a great lesson just in, in the practicality of the job and the collaboration of the job. Um, and that you're there to kind of serve a, you know, a greater, uh, you know, thing than just the, you know, writing music for yourself. Oh, I love so many things about that. Um, you know, and, and I think about the sort of the many different variations of the, of the Zen master story where it's like, you know, you, you, you make the clay pots and you smash the, the 99 of them until you keep the last one. You know, it's like it's mm -hmm. like such a good lesson. Yeah. And uh, and the whole thing about being an artist where there's a lot of people who think like, well, I have to wait to be inspired before I can write, before I can create, I need to be inspired. It's like, well, no, actually, you need to turn something in tomorrow with these specs. Mm -hmm. this, is, it's, right. this is what you got to do. You got to sit down and you got to knock it out and you've got to have the skills to yep. do that. For sure. That's an amazing story. 
So how did you get started as a music supervisor? Because that's a whole different kettle of fish, it is. right? It's, it's a whole different career. Yeah. No, I, I had gotten to a point. Um, I was working at Disney as basically my day job while I was work, writing music and, you know, scoring, you know, small, not very good movies and, and some animation and, you know, ghostwriting for other composers and kind of building a career like young composers do. Um, and I got to a point where I had to kind of decide, do I want to invest in like the next level of studio that I would need to do to get to the next level? Um, am I going to be, and also I really wanted to write orchestral music. That was kind of my, my hope, my dream. Right. And all of the work I was getting was synth. And so I kind of had to being as, you know, I, I play piano and, and play keyboards and, and knew how to do all that production work, but it's limiting if it's not like your first main instrument. And it, just because all that you can kind of come up with is what you can physically play into your synthesizer if you don't have an orchestra or live players or stuff. And so I kind of had to decide if I was going to be happy with the music I could make if 10 years later, all I was doing was writing synth scores. Yeah. Um, and I kind of decided no. Um, and maybe there was a different way into you know, to working in film and, and TV music. And um, actually, actually, at that point, I also was wondering if maybe I should go teach because I had a whole bunch of other friends that had become music teachers and, you know, you, you do the musical and you do marching band and, you know, and that could have been an interesting career. I worked with kids all every summer during college and, you know, day camp and I'd like being, you know, being around kids. And, but I ultimately then looked around Disney one more time and there was a job um, in the talent department uh, for Disney Channel, and they were also doing live concerts, and were looking for somebody that maybe had a little music background to go with that kind of thing. And so I moved over to there, let go of the teaching idea, and um, they got to know my background more. And as I got to know Gary Marsh, um, he kind of you know was able to give me an opportunity to start trying some of the supervision that they'd been doing externally in house. Um, so I kind of learned it on the job as I did. And then as my role there grew and the opportunities um, grew, my background in creating music became even more beneficial to the company because we started creating more and more of our own original pop music instead of licensing pop music. So it became opportunities to grow our talent. It led to, um, you know, I was in the right place at the right time for when they finally decided to do, you know, a first musical with the Cheetah Girls um, that had, you know, crazy success from what everybody thought it was going to have. Um, and then that led to High School Musical in Hannah, Montana the same year. And we all kind of blew up together. So um, again, it was, it was, it took me back to another Walter story where he said that he thinks that a lot of showbiz is like baseball and that, you know, you can go a long time before you get your opportunity to be in the big leagues. Mm -hmm. But if you don't do all the work and put in all the hours and ride the bus to, you know, in the minor leagues and practice every day when you get up there and they say, okay, go up and pinch hit, better be ready to get a hit. Better be ready. <laughs> And Don't start getting ready then. You got to be, be there. So I, you know, all of the education that I had and all the experience that I had um, prepared me to be successful when I got an opportunity to, you know, 
to do it. And then we kind of, you know, it was, again, it was the business was going where, where my skills would help, you know, in a good way. And so we kind of all benefited. So, so they were, they didn't have an in-house music supervisor before you? No, I, I basically built the music department for, for them over, over time as we got more and more, you know, into it. Hi. With the entertainment industry changing every day, I'm continuing to work to be a source of inspiration and information in your life. As it's been for five seasons and over 120 episodes, the Hometown to Hollywood podcast will be there for you. Now, I'm asking you to be there for us. The podcast has been a labor of love for years, and now I'm asking if Hometown to Hollywood's been a friend to you, if it's helped, educated, and inspired you, Please become a supporter of the podcast. For only $5 a month, the price of a latte, you can become a friend of the podcast and help me afford to continue to do the work that you've come to depend on for honest, insightful interviews that shed light on how to succeed in the entertainment industry. If you can afford it, pitch in $10 a month and become a good friend of the podcast. Your support helps supplement the people who can only give $5 a month. Join now, just go to hometowntohollywood.supportingcast.fm. That's hometowntohollywood.supportingcast.fm. And in just two clicks, you can have access to the complete version of this incredibly informative conversation, as well as each upcoming episode and the entire collection of over 120 past episodes. If you can't afford $5 a month to subscribe, the first 10 minutes of every episode will still be available for free. Subscribers get the full episodes delivered right to their inbox. Thank you. I appreciate your support, and I can't wait to share the exciting upcoming conversations with you. Meanwhile, if you could use some one-on-one coaching, invest in a video consultation session with me. Just go to hometowntohollywood.com and click on the consultation page. In 60 or 90 minutes, you can get peace of mind and a detailed action plan. Remember, the future belongs to those who believe in their dreams.